The NBA season is suspended indefinitely because of the coronavirus pandemic, but Warriors off-court is still going. I'm Connor Letourneau, and even though I'm sheltering in place in my apartment in Alameda, I'm still bringing you the news about the Warriors and the NBA. How players like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are handling the shutdown, how the coronavirus crisis will change the team's plans, and how basketball can get back to normal. It's all here on Warriors Off-Court, which can be found on your favorite podcast app. On today's episode of Warriors Off-Court, I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. And we're discussing how the Warriors, who will have a top five pick in June's NBA draft, can learn from a 2013 NBA draft that featured the one and only Anthony Bennett as its number one pick. Stick with us. It'll make some sense soon enough. Wes, thank you so much for joining us back on the podcast. It's only been a couple weeks, but it feels like forever. How are you doing? You staying sane? Nope, not really. Um, I think based on the content of the podcast today, people are going to understand how insane we went. Not that it's not a great topic. I'm actually like, I think it's a great topic, but what I'm saying is I was just weirdly excited to do it. And I'm just like looking for anything right now, any sort of sports content. Like I've, I've already done like the deep drives on size on the NBA draft for this year. Now I'm starting to do deep dives on the NFL draft. I don't cover the NFL, but I'm just like I'm just looking for something to do. So right. no, I'm not staying sane. But I am drinking a Corona right now. So nice. You know. I am drinking a White Claw. Uh, one of my the big develops big developments for me during the quarantine is I developed an affinity for seltzers, hard seltzers. Um, so what do you have, mango? No, I'm going with the uh, black cherry right now. Uh, it's just from the variety pack. So. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Blast. But that's one of my favorites. Uh, let's go. Let's do something a little a little weird. So uh, we are going to do a redraft of the 2013 NBA lottery, and the reason we're going to do that is because 2013 was probably the worst draft uh, that we've had leading up in, in recent history, leading up to this draft. This is going to be the worst draft since 2013. And so I think when you have a draft where there's so much uncertainty and there's not necessarily that Zion or that that LeBron type prospect, it's important to look at, you know, what maybe what teams did to have success in drafts like that. You know, so we're going to go through and look at the top 14 guys who ended up coming out of that year in 2013, and then we're going to break down know what those teams did right and maybe what a team like the Warriors is going to be drafting in the top five come June can learn from what those teams did in 2013. So uh, you start and then and then we'll go back and forth and then you give me you know the number one pick number three pick number five pick and when you give them give a detailed explanation for for why you're going with that guy. So the number one pick that year went to the Cleveland Cavaliers because they got the number one pick every year for many years <laughs> after LeBron James left. And, uh, no conspiracy theories there. After LeBron, uh, before LeBron. After LeBron, before LeBron, yeah. And what did they do with it? They wasted it on Anthony Bennett. But look, I, everybody knows that that was the wrong pick, okay? And now I'm not going to defend it. I'm pretty confident I am about Anthony to... Bennett will not be mentioned again on this podcast. Um, he will not be drafted in the lottery today. <laughs> no, no. Um, he would go undrafted if we did an entire draft. If we did all two rounds, he would go undrafted, and that's not me being mean. That's just no, he's, how he's not even playing professional basketball anymore. He's 26 yeah. old. So the Cavaliers, why did they take Anthony Bennett? Because this was a year that, like you said, there was no like, consensus number one guy. Everybody kind of going into the draft believed that it was Victor Oladipo. They were just like, okay, this guy's like not the worst. Um, so we'll just that's kind of the number one guy on everybody's board. 
Um, you saw some people talking about Alex Len late in the in the the draft process. Ben Mclemore got a lot of love, um, but really Oladipo was kind of the guy. You got some Otto Porter people because he was coming out of Georgetown, big name school, six eight wing, kind of rangy. You know, you just he, he, even back then he fit the prototype. If you're going, if you're looking at players like LeBron James and Paul George, who was coming on strong that year, like we got a lot of Paul George comparisons with Otto Porter, but not to get into all that because why because the Cavaliers thought that they already had their guards and they had their forwards right because they already had Kyrie Irving they had just drafted Deion Waiters in the lottery the previous draft um, and they had traded for Luol Deng from Chicago the year before and they thought that Luol Deng was going to be their big guy to replace LeBron right so they thought that they had all the positions of need filled they even had uh, Tristan Thompson drafted that same year Kyrie had. They had him as a power forward center tweener, but I think they were leaning more toward him being center that year. They also had Andrew Bynum on the roster, so it was not really a need for them to go for, like, Alex Wan or Nolan's Noel. So they just went ahead and just, in a weak draft, drafted the position of the most need and the player who they thought was the best. And, look, they draft Anthony Bennett, and here's the crazy thing. He was the best guy on many people's boards at that time at the power forward spot. Okay? Now, he was not a number one pick-worthy player, but the, get the next power forward taken, Connor, was actually Giannis at number 15. That's the mm-hmm. craziest thing about that, is that, yeah, they, they, if they had just taken the second best power forward on their, on their board, they would have gotten the best player in the draft, and obviously that's who they should have taken. They should have taken Giannis. Um, I, 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 we can move on from the number one pick now because it's obvious, but I just sort of wanted to give the context there because it, they were so – despite Anthony Bennett have gone, no, having gone number one, and Giannis having gone number 15, if they were going to draft a position of need, they were that close to getting the best player in the draft. They just misevaluated their power forwards. Yeah, Giannis, without question, MVP, would have had a good chance at MVP this year, might still get MVP this year, depending on what happens. Uh, and, you know, he was the 15th pick in that draft. So um, that could be the case again this year. Um, you, you never know. The number two pick, uh, which was Orlando, they took they took Victor Oladipo, which uh, was a, was a good pick. He didn't have a ton of success with with Orlando. Ended up really finding his footing several years later with Indianapolis, with Indiana. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with Rudy Gobert. Um, Rudy Gobert, who was the 27th pick in 2013 by Utah. Um, he's one of the best centers in the game. He's probably top two or three centers in the league right now. NBA All Star, two time Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, a former All-NBA second team and All-NBA third team guy. Um, he's just as good defensively as you as you can possibly ask from a center, and I think he's progressed enough offensively. And so I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert, number two. Could I make the argument for the Magic to have taken C.J. McCollum? Like, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I think Gobert's the right pick because Dwight Howard, like you said, was gone. Um, they had Nikola Vucevic, but he didn't really blossom yet. Uh, but had they drafted I'm C.J. McCollum... I'm not going to be getting super in-depth about you know, the roster situation of the 2013 Orlando Magic, uh, because I do think, especially this high in the draft, you need to go best players available, which is, like you said, the, the mistake that Cleveland did, the mistake that Cleveland made at number one. But, but like, if the, Ma- like the Magic had been searching for a point guard so long, and I always thought that C.J. McCollum was better on the ball. He is. He's better on the ball than he is off the ball. I think he would, like... like I think he would be better if he weren't playing next to Damian Lillard. Like, his stats would definitely be better. I think he is, his natural position is point guard in the NBA, especially how point guards play today. Like, I wonder how much better C.J. McCollum would be 
if the Magic had drafted him. And I don't like maybe it would have been worse because the Magic kind of screw up all their picks. I, I do like if you give if you give CJ McCollum this sort of usage inflation. Is it closer between him and Gobert? I think so, um, but honestly, I would put Oladipo ahead of McCollum. And so I'm curious. I'm curious of uh, who you're going to go with for the number three pick with from Washington. Yeah, that's a tough one because they already had John Wall and Bradley Beal at that point. So to go with Victor Oladipo, you're drafting another two guard. Uh, a lot of people thought he was a point guard coming out too. Um, they ended up going with Otto Porter. This is a tough one, but. Like, Robert Covington kind of would have been the perfect player for them from a fit standpoint, and I don't know that there's a... Can you imagine, an, a, hypothetically, if Washington took Robert Covington that year? He was undrafted. Like, overall, the guy who went undrafted at Cincinnati State. That's <laughs> great. It, like, but he's kind of the best guy. So, look, the, the, my, my original thought process here was, look, they, they take Otto Porter. And there's a real argument to be made that Tim Hardaway Jr. now is a better player than Otto Porter is and kind of plays a similar position, a little undersized three, but kind of plays the three a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead with Robert Covington here. Okay. Uh, that's a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, I respect what? that you're getting in the weeds with uh, the actual roster makeup of the 2013. I told you that I, I told you I took this really seriously when you presented this as the <laughs> idea for the podcast. But that's what like this stuff matters though. Like, could you right. imagine having put John Wall, like healthy John Wall, right? Bradley Beal, with Robert Covington there. I mean, that was that's why they drafted Otto Porter. Is they wanted a player who was basically Robert Covington. Now it's not that Otto Porter was and didn't end up good. Like he plays for Chicago now. They ended up like, but the only reason they traded him was because they signed him to a max contract, which was dumb enough, which Robert Covington never got because of his draft slot, right? So right. they probably would have just ended up doing the same thing with Robert Covington. But I do think that Covington's probably a better player than Otto Porter. I don't think anybody would. It's not by much. I, I think Robert Covington's a, a slightly overrated. I don't think it's by as much as people would think. But uh, given what he could do defensively, in ways that Otto Porter can't, um, I think they would have just they would have gotten the player they wanted in Covington. Okay, um, I'm going to go with Victor Oladipo here at number four. Uh, I'm, I'm selecting for Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte is a team that to this day still needs a legitimate face of the franchise type guy. And uh, Depot to me is the ideal face of the franchise for several reasons. Um, he plays both ends of the floor. He is as nice of a, of a guy as you'll meet in the NBA, um, a true ambassador for the community that, that he's in. Um, now, it took him a couple years to really find his footing in the NBA. I think that was more of a product of situations and fit in Orlando and Oklahoma City. Uh, obviously, he had the, injury, the serious injury in Indiana last season. Um, but he's still, when he's at his best, he's still a legitimate all-star caliber player who can lock in on both ends. Um, he's a former NBA all-defensive team, first-team first guy, and all-NBA third-team guy, two-time all-star. So uh, I'm going to go with Oladipo. They ended up taking Cody Zeller there, who I actually like. I think he's, actually, he's had a decent like career. He's not, he's not – but he's not like a number four worthy, but he's like a decent body to put there. He's like, an okay backup center. He's like Spencer Hawes, light. Yeah, okay. So, again, not worthy of taking number four, but he's not like a bad player. Uh, right. But could you have imagined Oladipo next to Kemba Walker? I mean, it would have been so perfect for them because you have your lead ball guy in Kemba Walker, but then you've got the perfect off-ball guy, like whatever – 
whatever, like what the Warriors have done with Steph and Clay, like Oladipo could have done the same thing defensively for Kemba Walker. It would have been a perfect fit. Instead, they got like a nice backup center at number four. They could have completely, and they were in the playoff race in the East for so many years after that, just because of how good right. Kemba was. And, and they had good coaching those years too, I would argue. But if you would have given them Oladipo, they would have been they would have gone from like fringe playoff team to like bona fide playoff team. I don't know that they would have ever actually like beat the Miami Heat or ascended the way that Chicago or Indiana did. But um, who knows? Like Oladipo is a legit like top fifteen player, and Kemba Walker, I would argue, is a top twenty player. So I don't so know. So who are you thinking at number five? You're, you're drafting for the this one. This one's this one's easy. The Suns end up taking Alex Len at center. I just give them the next best center available, Stephen Adams. And they've been looking. They they were looking for a center ever since, like until they end up getting DeAndre Ayton a couple of years ago. So he would have filled a need for them. And who knows? Had, had they had gotten Stephen Adams that year, they probably don't need to draft DeAndre Ayton, and they probably just draft Luca that year. Yeah, and, and Stephen, Ad- Stephen Adams is a guy I think we've all kind of been waiting for him to really have that true breakthrough and be one of the best centers in the NBA. And he he made some significant progress a couple of years ago, but you still have yet to see him be that dominant force. Um, and I I wonder if, if it's just the the style of the NBA. Um, he kind of he took a couple steps back this year on a middling Thunder team. Um, so I've been a little bit disappointed in his career, just just given what what he looked like he could be when he was a rookie and a second year guy. But I totally understand that pick at number five. Would you have would you have gone in a different direction at number five? Like where do, I, mean, I, I, I think I'm kind of looking at this a little bit differently than you. Uh, to me, the uh, the Suns are a team that that needs a, a legitimate sidekick for uh, Devin Booker, and obviously Devin Booker was taken after 2013. So at that time, they needed a legitimate, you know, face of the franchise guy, and. Uh, I, I probably would have gone with CJ McCollum there. Um, I thought about it. I thought about it. But um, I understand. Why so you have McCollum. So you have McCollum over Adams on your on your big board, so to speak. Yeah, I do. I have him um, one spot over Adams, but I would imagine that's where you're going now with New Orleans. It is uh, New Orleans number six pick. I'm going to go with CJ McCollum. Um, CJ McCollum's a guy who he, I think is. He's a little underrated because he's just so overshadowed in Portland by Damian Lillard. But he's an elite shooter, and um, he's a very reliable scorer. And, uh, you know, he's not great defensively, but I think he makes up for it in his ability to find the bottom of the rim. So, um, you know, I'm going to go with C.J. McCollum there. I think New Orleans was a team for a while that needed, you know, go-to options. I think they have – a really nice one now in Zion Williamson. But uh, back in 2013, they could have used someone like CJ knocking it down from three. So the next pick is the Kings. So I, I think that's like a pretty – so I, I think there's layers to this draft. I think we just crossed a certain layer where the next – like I'm curious, who's the next best guy on your board? Who's the best guy available? I'm not asking you because I'm going to steal this player. But uh, Dennis Schroeder. Same. I have an, it's like that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about CJ McCollum. Now to Dennis Shooter, who Shooter has had a nice year for Oklahoma City, but I mean, there's a noticeable gap because I think you're right. CJ McCollum's an underrated player, um, and, and we we've just hit that like sort of when we talk about tiers, right? Because we know like the Warriors break up their stuff in tiers. This is a noticeable tier down. And there's going to be um, another significant drop off here in a couple picks. Yeah, we're not like, far away from the next Shooter's still like a legitimate 
very helpful NBA NBA player. He was the leading scorer a couple of years ago for a bad Hawks team, and I think has found a good niche for himself in Oklahoma City as that go-to guy off the bench. Um, to me, that's that's his best purpose is is being that guy who can kind of be a microwave option off the bench. Um, I've actually we've talked about potential uh, trade exception scenarios for him coming to. Golden State, and I, I think he'd be helpful for a team like Golden State. Um, I think he's a very useful NBA player. Um, we disagree on that, but that's not that's not the podcast we're doing. So um, I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder here. Uh, but they had they still had prime Demarcus Cousins that year. They just needed him. They needed a running mate for him, and they they had been searching for a point guard for a long time. They ended up getting it with Aaron Fox a couple of years later. Uh, who ends up being, I think, is going to has a higher ceiling than a shooter, but still, like in the moment, I, I would you just give him shooter here, I think, and it's it's not very close. So number eight, uh, Detroit. You know, there's we're already getting to the point where there's not a ton of super appealing options, but I'm going to go with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy who has put up numbers throughout his career, and I think he's kind of been criticized for being an empty stats guy and, and being a guy who gets numbers and garbage time on bad teams. But he actually was helpful this year for Dallas, um, a, a good Dallas team. So I, think I have his, I have his, I have his stats here, 15.8 points per game, 40% shooting from three point range on 7.2, three point attempts per game. Gets like three rebounds and two assists per game. Doesn't really turn the ball over that much. Doesn't take a ton of shots. Yeah. Um, I think like, he's, he, he kind of, I see parallels between him and a guy like Andrew Wiggins because Wiggins, everyone was so down on him when he was on a bad team because they looked at him as kind of part of the problem. And then he goes well, they look at, they a look at the situation and he actually shows yeah. that he can be helpful for for a, a stable franchise. And I think that Hardaway is doing that. And, you know, he's always been a knockdown shooter. And that doesn't go away regardless of whether or not you're on a good or bad team. And I think he's found a situation in, in Dallas that uh, where he's able to play to his strengths and just sit in the corner, knock down threes, and benefit from the spacing that guys like Porzingis and Dodgers provide. He went to school in Michigan too, so that works. They should have Detroit should have taken him. Yeah, um, and they, they <laughs> use scores. They don't score a lot. So they they took they took uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope that year, and you know where we're like you and I are doing evaluations right now. I was so high on KCP coming out of Georgia. Yeah, I, I thought like, he was yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so the next pick, yeah. the number nine pick, Utah. Yeah, so uh, this is the end, I think, of our of our tier here, right? Uh, because it's it, I give him I'm going to give him Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, getting him at number what was this nine? Getting him at nine versus three at nine. That's a good pick. That's a good pick in every like any year. That's a good pick. Um, Otto Porter Jr. last year for Chicago, for those who don't know, because nobody watched the Bulls, um, 12 points per game on 10 shots per game, so not the most efficient, but did shoot, um, well, you know, he's a 40% three-point shooter for his career. He shot 39% this last year for Chicago on a team with absolutely no spacing. Um, he's a good rebounder historically, um, can actually move the ball a little bit, um, can get can can play some passing lanes. He's long. If you got him at nine, it's not the worst thing in the world. So to me, uh, I think Minnesota would be happy. The ideal world would be like a seventh or eighth guy on a on a winning team, on a maybe a contending team. Um, he does a lot of little things well. He's just he's just not dynamic enough uh, to be you know a go to option or anything like that. Um, 
So good, good role guy. Um, not not bad for mid lottery. Uh, and look, and let's be and yeah, exactly. Let's be real here. Like in the at the end, like in the at nine, ten, eleven, what we're talking about here. If you get a role player who can be a part of your playoff rotation, that's a win. Okay, like I know Giannis went fifteen, but you can't expect that. So if you can get just a guy who can participate on a playoff rotation, that's a win in right. most drafts. Um, number ten is Portland. Portland, um, and we are officially at the point where it's a crap shoot. <laughs> it, it could be one of any just average NBA players. Um, I am going to go with your guy Kelly Olynyk. Um, I think that you know people a lot a lot of NBA fans don't like him because of his playing style. Um, Draymond Green has made it well known how he feels about Kelly Olynyk, but you know he he's he's a good really helpful role guy who, who's going to do the dirty work and can knock down that, that 15 footer. And, you know, the funny thing about him is he's like maybe the best Gonzaga alum in the NBA, huh. um, which is funny yeah. for a program that's turned out so many NBA players, but you know, he's quietly having a really solid NBA career and he was a, a helpful piece for a, a very good Miami team. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Philadelphia 76ers are at 11. This one's tough, man. Like, I'm trying to think of where the 76ers were even were at that point. They end up drafting Michael Carter-Williams, who wins Rookie of the Year, and then he's traded a year later because they go full process. So it doesn't really matter. He's had a really weird career. Is it weird that I still like him? Like the I don't if he, if he, I think he's a free agent this year. Getting him at the minimum wouldn't be the worst thing for the Warriors. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, he I can think, move the ball. He can defend. I think his rookie of the year was was kind of misleading because he was just the only rookie that year who was getting big minutes. Yeah, because um, this, so. this Philadelphia 76ers team was in full rebuild mode. Like I kind of want to just give them Seth Curry. I mean. I think the guys you can consider here are Contavious Caldwell Pope, Andre Roberson, uh, James Dwayne. Ennis, Dwayne Dedman. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give him. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give him Seth Curry here. Okay. Uh, why? I just think he's the best player left, and like whatever. Like, I mean, he's just, he's one of the better three point shooters in the NBA. He was in the three point contest last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a very helpful bench guy. And who knows, like, if you're giving him all the shots that Michael Carter-Williams got that year, maybe, maybe his career is different. Maybe you just, like, maybe getting his, uh, you know, feet thrown into the fire early would have been better just because he was, like, unlike a lot of rookies, like, obviously he comes from an NBA family. He might have been able to handle that. Like, look, I'm not, like, he, Seth Curry went undrafted this year. We're now at pick 12 by Oklahoma City. And I'm going to go, and I, it might be kind of a controversial pick because the guy hasn't played in two years, uh, but... I'm going to go with Andre Roberson, and the reason I'm going to go with Andre Roberson is because even though he's a dot awful shooter, when he was healthy, he was one of the best one-on-one perimeter defenders in the NBA. He was a second-team all-defensive team guy in 2017. 
And to me, he should have been all defensive team for several more years. Uh, he, he was the best defender on those really good Thunder teams. And um, if he can get back from that knee injury that has sidelined him two years, I think he could still be a, a very helpful player in the NBA just because he's so good defensively. So I'm going to go with Roberson. They end up getting Roberson in this draft later on, right? And so yeah, they took um, him. Uh, they took him at 26. So I think you could have went Dwayne Dedman there. Having Dedman next to Russell Westbrook and and Kevin Durant at that point would have been really interesting. Um, but he was another one of these guys who was a late bloomer, and I think he needed it. So it's hard to kind of gauge that. So with the Dallas Mavericks here at 13, like part of me is like, okay, do I give them Dwayne Dedman? Understanding that he needed some time, or do I just give? Do I just go ahead and slot in Merlin's Noel, who's still, whose name has not been called? Ends up going in real life. He went number six to New Orleans. I wonder if that was a situational thing for him. But we also heard there's a lot of off the court issues, and now he's only starting to blossom a little bit in Oklahoma City. So I'm going to go ahead and I mean, just give. I'm not going to that, overthink that this. That might be an overstatement, but yeah, he's he's an okay role guy after that. He's but. yeah, which is like. A big improvement from where he was. I, I, uh, basically, out, he was almost out of the league. One that year, I was like, how bad is this draft? Because I had covered a game my senior year. I was, I was a senior in college when he was coming in to the, to the draft, and I had covered a Maryland-Kentucky game and was so underwhelmed by him and then kind of kept following his season and, and just did not understand why this guy was getting number one buzz. And then at one point – Alex Lynn was getting number one buzz, and I had covered him yeah. in Maryland and seen him every day and was like, this guy is not good. Um, best case scenario, he's like an okay role guy, and he was getting number one buzz. This draft was just so murky at the top. It was ridiculous. Alex Lynn could be a future warrior, right? He's a free agent this year. They need a big man. Yeah. Uh, my favorite – the one guy who I didn't really understand in this draft was Ben McLemore, Um because my thing is – and this is worth noting for this draft is when you just in the if the entire evaluation is he's like Ray Allen, then I'm staying away from that player because we don't really know what he's good at and we're just sort of ignoring all the things that he's bad at and the ways that he's not Ray Allen because Ben Moore is not Ray Allen in a lot of ways, and it's just like going into this draft all I get oh he he shoots like Ray Allen like that that stroke is like beautiful it's like Ray Allen is and and so he ends up going seven to Sacramento. And gets and flames out after Kawhi Leonard basically ends his life, steals the ball from him two straight times in a game when he was a rookie, and just like that was it. He was his so confidence good was shattered. At Kansas, like he was so good at Kansas. Uh, it's it's so fascinating to see these guys who their game for whatever reason just doesn't translate to the next level. I don't but think he, it helped that he went to Sacramento, which is an incredibly dysfunctional situation, and he's starting right. to kind of find his footing with 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 Houston. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, he was just out there. in the NBA for a while. Um, so the Dallas Mavericks, I'm going to go ahead and just give them um, Dwayne Dedman. I'm not going to. I just think you would put him next to Dirk Nowitzki those years. That just would have been interesting and fun. And I think Dedman is legitimately the 13th best player in this draft. So there you he go. He was a guy who went undrafted. Um, so you know, yes. him carving out a nice little career uh, after going undrafted. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, number 14. I'm drafting for Minnesota, uh, and I'm going to go with Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, who we talked about earlier, you know, he's... Oh, wait, Utah Utah took the... selected this player. Did they end up... But they traded Shabazz Muhammad to Minnesota. Was that prearranged, or was that... Had they already traded that pick, or was that after the draft? I don't remember. I just know that Shabazz Muhammad played for Minnesota. 
another guy who did not pan out. Uh, got a Utah lot of picks for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he was a little bit of a head case himself. But uh, Kendavis Caldwell-Pope is a guy who's dealt with his own issues. One of the more interesting NBA stories that got almost no attention uh, was when Kendavis Caldwell-Pope was playing games for the Lakers while in prison, while in jail. Yeah. Uh, he would go play games for the Lakers and then go back to jail. Like, it was such an incredibly weird situation. I guess he had violated his probation and worked out some deal where he could still keep playing. It, it was incredibly odd. Uh, but uh, he he's a guy who I think the role he's he's in right now for for the Lakers is perfect. You know, a guy who's just if you if you desperately need a couple buckets off the bench, he, he can you can go to him. Uh, but you're not going to be relying on him uh, because he's a pretty inconsistent player in a lot of ways. But you know, he he's a legitimate. NBA player, um, and I think at 14, you could do worse. Um, yeah, the the next guys on my board, we're talking about guys like Matthew Dellavedova. Do you end up just taking Ben McLemore here? Like, this is, like, we're the, we're in this yeah, kind of Tony situation. Snell, uh, yeah, yeah. Solomon Hill had, like, a, a good season. We're um, led into a big contract. Alan Crabb, who's not even in the NBA right now. Uh, Merlin Zoel, Alex Lane, James Ennis. Uh, like, on, like, Mike Ola Muscala. Neto. Mike Muscala has been able to like stick in the NBA for a really long time for whatever reason. Uh, James Ennis, he's like the Will Austin yeah. of the NBA right now. Yes, that's a good because uh, it's like oh, tall guy you can shoot kind of, and is a nice guy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so uh, just just to recap real quick, number one pick was Giannis. Number two, Rudy Gobert. Number three, Robert Covington. Number four, Victor Oladipo. Number five. Stephen Adams, number five, or number six, CJ McCollum, number seven, Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder, number eight, Tim Hardaway Jr., number nine, Otto Porter Jr., 10, Kelly Olenek, 11, Seth Curry, 12, Andre Roberson, 13, Dwayne Dedman, 14, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Okay. So going through that list, look, it's not an awe inspiring list when you're looking at the depth of it, but. I, I think this is a worthy exercise because we're seeing that even in 2013, which is a draft that is widely ridiculed to this day, there were all the guys we named are legitimate rotation players in the NBA at least, and several of them are bona fide all-stars. Uh, Giannis is an MVP. Rudy Gobert is a defense, two-time defensive player of the year. Oladipo and, and CJ McCollum are both all-star caliber players. So, you know, they're – there was value in this draft, even if a guy named Anthony Bennett was taken number one. I think this is a valuable lesson for a team like the Warriors that could be take, drafting number one or de- and are definitely going to be drafting them in the top five, is you shouldn't necessarily worry about the hype around a player or uh, you know where they are on the mock draft. There's going to be value, and it's, it could be – completely overlooked but you need to find it yeah and look look at who ends up being the best players in this draft Giannis and Rudy Gobert were the two best players both international okay um maybe under scouted at that point and this, the third best player is Victor Oladipo who wasn't of the blue chip prospect he was a highly rated recruit I mean he went to Indiana but he wasn't as highly rated as a lot of the guys that ended up in the same class but was in, insanely productive that year at Indiana, and I don't mean I don't, I'm not going to say that every draft is the same, 
But like, you know, the that that to me tells me something because you look at guys like Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, um, Trey Burke, who we didn't mention, but went number nine to Minnesota out of Michigan. Yeah. I mean, these were the guys who were like Shabazz Muhammad was like the top guy in his class that year, I think. And so, so a lot of the guys. guys were guys who were super highly touted coming out of high school, and I think even right. though they weren't necessarily great in college, were still riding that buzz. Um, and I think there's a and there's a lesson prospect. to be and there's a lesson to be learned there, right? Because everybody, you know, a lot of Warriors fans right now want James Wiseman, but James Wiseman could easily just be Nerlens Noel, okay? Right. And and by the way, they and I think Wiseman is a little bit higher rated than Nerlens Noel, but Nerlens Noel was a legit like the next Anthony Davis, like he was next in line kind of thing, big Kentucky center guy. I, I so I think that not to say that every draft is the same and that you can draw parallels like this all the time, but I think production. And looking for places, like in, in in the case like Oladipo, who ended up being a good NBA player, and then just looking for um, market weaknesses. Like in, in, in 2013, international scouting isn't what it is today, right? And so they found some sort of market inefficiency, and those teams exploited it. I'm not going to say that the Bucks didn't get lucky finding getting Giannis at 15. They definitely got lucky. You look at Milwaukee's draft picks over the years, it's all just like, Shots in the dark. It's all like it's everything from Giannis to Thon Maker, right? They're just like going after the longest, weirdest dude yeah, who may have a high ceiling. Trying to catch that lightning in a bottle, but it is interesting that and people forget this now. But Giannis was coming out of the Greek second division, uh, very low level of basketball. Um, I don't think any other NBA prospects have ever come from there. And then Rudy Gobert was barely playing for Cholette, which is like a second tier European team. And so, you know, not, neither of these guys came in with great pedigrees. Uh, they were just raw. They fit the physical profile you're looking for. I think Rudy Gobert set the record for the best, the biggest wingspan of the NBA combine. Um, so they were be, they were drafted solely off potential, and it worked out. And, you know, it often doesn't work out, but um, this is definitely a case study in why it's sometimes, especially in a weak draft, worth going for the big the big gamble. And that's why I've kind of been, I know you have been too high on a guy like RJ Hampton. You know, he could be, he could end up being a total bust, be out of the league in three years, but he also has a legitimate chance to be like an all-star level guy. And you can't say that about many players in this draft. And so if you're drafting, you know, mid lottery, why not? You know, that that's how I look at it in a, in a draft like this. Yeah. I think you generally speaking, you want, you, you don't you don't want to be lazy, right? Which a lot of these like like you said, Ben Mathlemore at Kansas was really good. It's not to say that he wasn't productive, that Kansas wasn't good that year. They were. Kentucky was great that year with Nerlens Noel. Like it's they they were productive. But you kind of also have to look at it as all right, what did they do this year in this one and done era as freshmen? What did they do and how does that stack up to what the rest of these players did? Just in a vacuum. I'm not saying that that ends up like because you can get drafted to a bad situation, or you can you can get recruited to a bad situation. You can pick the wrong school. It happens all the time. Uh, I just think that it, it it's it's not as simple as just picking the best player available or the most talented player available. Fit does matter. It's a combination of everything. But you really got to do your deep dive research. You can't be lazy about this. And I think you and I have had very similar conversations, like because we, we've talked about this off air, where you know the people who we're talking to with the Warriors it does sound like they're doing a lot of work on this draft, obviously, because they could end up having the number one pick. That goes without saying, but you could also end up with Anthony Bennett at the number one pick. If you're just lazy and you say, like, this is kind of the guy we need, and he's a big guy who can shoot threes. So 
you can't be lazy. You got to do the work, and you got to put them in positions to succeed. Because the other part about this was that everybody that ended up panning out was also put in a position to succeed. Or like Ben McLemore could have had a completely different year, a career if he wasn't drafted to the Kings. You know, so right. all this stuff matters. Stephen Adams was a guy who was drafted out potential. He wasn't very good actually at uh, Pittsburgh. He went into Pittsburgh with a ton of hype coming out of New Zealand and didn't really do much. And I think, right. I think that the scouts, I think that Oklahoma City saw that he was a guy who wasn't necessarily in a great situation at Pittsburgh and what it didn't really fit his strengths. And so that's actually something I wrote about today. I, was, I wrote a kind of analysis piece about why the Warriors would, would probably take. Anthony Edwards at number one if they don't if they get the number one pick and don't trade down. And basically what I what I what I said was that yes, on paper, there's a lot of things not to like. He was not efficient uh at Georgia. He shot forty percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three. He took ill advised shots, he uh was lackadaisical at times, running up and down the court. Um there were there were a lot of things to not like, but you have to understand he is eighteen years old. He reclassified. He could have been a high school senior this year. He's the seventh youngest player in this draft class. He's only 18 years old, turns 19 in August. And so any 18-year-old kid thrust into a situation where he has to be the go-to guy for a uh, for an SEC team, but not very good SEC team, and he's got has the ball in his hands when he's always been better as an off-the-ball guy. Uh, as a talent evaluator and as a scout, you have to take all this stuff into account and understand that can't dismiss the guy just because he didn't shoot well from three his one year in college you know there might be reasons behind it and you have to decide as a scouting department if the answers to those questions are are reasonable and if you can put up with the fact that you know his numbers weren't what you want him to be for a guy who could be a number one pick in the draft yep and like and just to um, reemphasize the point like with with Giannis going at 15 it's not so much as taking like all like I think a lot of uh, – since Giannis has been taken, a lot of people will say, well, just, like, look at his talent. He's so incredible. Like, why wouldn't you have taken him higher? And it's, there just wasn't much of a track record there, okay? That's why I keep saying, like, Milwaukee definitely got lucky picking Giannis at 15. But also with the very next pick, Lucas Nogueira out of Brazil went to the Celtics. And I don't know where – I don't think he's in the league anymore. I don't know where he is, but he's right. definitely not Giannis. And he went literally a pick later and was very similar. He in was just, like, so soft. Uh, he played for the for the Raptors uh, for a little bit. But people, that's what people were saying. Like that was the thing with Giannis too, right? Because he like was not built. Like he does not like Giannis as a rookie did not look like what he looks like now. Okay, he was a string bean. Like that that was a concern with him. We, like we remember like the 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 famous film session where he was playing against a chair or whatever. Like we didn't see him against NBA bodies. But then you look at a guy like Stephen Adams to go back to what you were saying. He was, I remember him being a late riser despite being, like, in the draft process. Like, he was a big-name recruit, didn't do anything at Pittsburgh, but then I guess he, like, interviewed well and did all that stuff, which I think is going to be a tough thing because you look at a guy like Victor Oladipo who rose in the draft process because of what Indiana did in the NCAA tournament that year, what Stephen Adams was able to do in individual workouts ostensibly to help him rise in the draft process. You think about a guy like um, Bam Adebayo a couple years ago who was not even in the lottery discussion – and then was suddenly in the lottery discussion like a couple weeks before the draft because of how well he did in individual workouts because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time at Kentucky, right? And so you he, like in individual workouts, they, they saw the three-point shooting, they saw the ball handling, all that potential, and he rises up draft boards. The Warriors aren't going to have any of that. 
probably. Like, they could interview some of these guys, but, like, they're not going to have the Plymouth Invitational. They're not going to have all these camps. They obviously are not going to have March Madness to see who's got the it factor. De'Aaron Fox rose up draft boards because what he was able to do in the, in the NCAA tournament. Like, that's when you kind of prove your grit, right? Like, that stuff matters. Like, to use Draymond Green's parlance, like, you have 82-game players and 16-game players. That's when you sort of see what people can do under the spotlight. And, and the Warriors aren't going to have that opportunity, and it's just going to be that much more hard because of that. Wes, great time having you, as always. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time um, and, and going down this random rabbit hole with me. Yeah, man, anytime you want to talk about a draft, I'm I'm ready to go. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. It was great picking his brain about the 2013 NBA draft. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 